I'm Erica Powell. And I'm Shelby Bitework. And, and this, this is Windows. Windows. Welcome to season two of our Windows podcast. Today, our episode, Windows into a Career Strategist, features Jennifer Gibson. Jennifer, thanks for joining us today. Hello, everyone. I'm Jennifer Gibson. I'm the VP of Supply Chain Operations. Um, right now, I oversee Midwest Distribution, our customer care, product services, our global logistics, and our material planning and inventory teams. I've been with Herman Miller for five years. Um, it's been a a sort of journey of expanding my role along that time. I was hired on in the supply management team, leading the material planning and inventory teams, which supported our West Michigan manufacturing. In the last few years, that position did start to evolve, adding on options purchasing at one point, uh, the distribution center, our customer care and scheduling, and then I was reporting up through operations with some organizational changes. As a company, we started to move more towards that one Herman Miller group, which position um, was posted for VP of Global Supply Chain Operations. This was layering on that global logistics and the global planning along with product services. It was really great to, to see that they were bringing all these functions under one team so that we could start to leverage each other as a Herman Miller group, especially when you think about logistics and the supply chain leverage that we do have. So I was uh, fortunate to have some great leaders that supported me in that journey. Um, one currently being Richard Scott, who I now report to, who is quite challenging, but very caring and supportive. So it's been a nice fun ride so far. As the vice president who oversees a plant here in West Michigan, how have you managed through the pandemic? So what's been one of your biggest struggles and a big win? Well, it's constantly changing courses. Um, there isn't a day that goes by where we don't have a challenge somewhere in the supply chain globally. Uh, one of the biggest struggles, I think, is just that constant balancing of competing priorities. You know, one day um, you have to level set and really think about what's going to move our customers and our organization forward as you're sort of, you know, putting out the fires that occur. One thing people do forget is how complex we are when we think of a made-to-order company and the lack of visibility we can have on some of those large pop-in orders and what that does to the supply chain. As I always say, it's like playing that game of Jenga where you have those multiple pieces and it's sort of like, you know, taking one out, you wanna make sure the entire structure doesn't just cripple down. Um, and that's what it's felt like through the pandemic, whether it's an outbreak at a supplier, uh, the trade conditions that we're experiencing with logistics right now, the port congestions has been quite the challenge. Um, but I would say as a, a win is really my entire organization through this grew together. Um, they became much more connected and flexible to change. We all had to change daily um, and they became stronger. You know, the attitude I think that we all heard, you know, throughout the company was we're all in this together and, and we had to find a way to make it work. Um, we forced each other to connect. Um, I think times when there was conference calls and people are just on the phone. Now people are in video and connecting globally and seeing each other more often. So I do think that we became stronger as a whole through this, and that was a big win in my mind. You've had a number of roles. What's the best interviewing advice you've received that you would want to pass on to others? You know, I'd say there's a few different tips and, and tricks along the way that I've learned and grown as I've interviewed and also interviewed others that I've seen, you know, and, and people stand out. 
Uh, one of the biggest things I learned recently, which um, was for the current role I applied to, was I had a mentor that said, reach out to some of the key stakeholders and the key business partners and ask them how this position can be successful and move the organization forward. You know, so I reached out to the managers, um, work team leader, reached out to some of the, um, the current hiring managers, um, peers, who their customers were to really understand what were some of those challenges. One thing that um, people need to do when they think about going into an interview is do a lot of discovery of that new job, how that position um, could really look like success for the ultimate customer. What problems do they face? Um, what are some of the different decisions that they're challenged with? And so the, the different hiring managers um, look at that and see that you've done your homework that really comes out and is shown in the interview. There's actually this book, um, Michael Weinberg, he wrote Sales Truth book, um, and he has a lot of great insight into how to really make the sales. And I, I didn't think about it until, you know, you stop and think, well, you are trying to sell yourself in an interview, um, as well as they're trying to sell you on the position. But learning what our salespeople do could also drive you and where you're going in your career, too. And really what his insight was is, you know, winning the deal is essentially what you're trying to do in that job interview is his strategy is all about the first slide is that discovery work. What challenges are they faced with? You know, what does this position really need to bring? What value does it bring? And really do your homework behind that. You know, I can't emphasize that enough. And then bring that out during your interview. Talk about those challenges. Hey, this is what I believe is happening. And, you know, is this what you're faced with? And where do you see this position going? Um, really shows that you did your homework and research. And I, I find it to be very fascinating when I see external candidates know about Herman Miller in our business um, and knowing that they've done their homework in terms of, you know, understanding our industry. I would say, you know, some of the other side is understand the culture of the position you're going into. You know, it might be one where they work hard, they play hard. And so you wanna be able to bring that personal side too. Um, you know, come up with some sort of, you know, a personal story um, at a moment's low, the small talk, as you say, like, you know, hey, here's an interesting book I'm reading, and I found this part of it to be fascinating, just so they get a glimpse into your personality and know that, you know, you're going to be a nice fit within their team. Um, the other one is, you know, as I think about storytelling. So, you know, when they ask you, you know, give me a problem solving or, you know, some type of question in the interview, be concise, you know, pay attention to the fact that, you know, people can only comprehend a few minutes um, so you don't lose them, but it's all about honing in on the problem. What was the solution? What was the outcome? And show your thought leadership, show them that you have vision and that you executed upon it. And so really think of some of those stories before you go into an interview so that you can, you know, really shine those examples where you drove hard. And then lastly, I know I'm probably already going past my few minutes of this question, is um, it, make sure that, you know, you think of it as, you know, you're interviewing them as well, and you have powerful questions that you can ask. Um, and then always end with sort of one powerful skill that you have, you know, such as, hey, I'm just going to leave you with this. I'm a diehard for driving results when it comes to getting product for our customers on time. You may see me on the shop floor getting that out on time, you know, something to kind of leave them with and just wrap it up. 
um, with a powerful statement about some skill set that you own. So Jennifer, what I, I, I heard there, just to recap, so I heard make sure you understand the role and what you can bring to the role, that you understand the culture of that position. So you can kind of bring your own personality, but know how that, that fits in as well. The ability to storytell, to share your experiences. Um, make sure you're interviewing them as much as you are um, being interviewed for the position. And I love that last part about a powerful skill. How can you end it with this like super impactful, impactful statement along the way? I think that those, for me, those last two about interviewing them as much as you're interviewing, being interviewed is so powerful in the fact of sometimes you get into these positions and you think you have to just show them like what you can bring. But I think the best roles that I've had is where you do take that time to understand your fit into that position and um, make sure that it's good for you, not just that you're doing it because you feel like that's the next step or whatever, but really, is it a good fit? And being able to take the time to to figure that out, I think that's that's really powerful. Yeah, and I would, I would say to that, Erica, you know, um, you touched upon a good point. When you're learning about them, also learn about the leader's style, right? Is that a style that you're going to gain from? Um, you know, I always say you are what you eat, and it's always good to learn from different leadership styles and different aspects you can take and carry with you. And so, you know, Richard Scott is a very structured person, which has been really good for me because I needed structure. <laughs> and so that was a skill set now I'm gaining because um, it's different than what my approach has been in the past. And so to that point, you're learning about them and what you're going to gain out of that position. Yeah, I think that the leadership question, it was something I was recently asked and it took me a minute. Like, what am I looking for in a, in a leader? Um, and what, and it caused me to think back over the leaders that I've had and the lessons that you learned from both the things that you want to do. But I think some of the more impactful things that came to my mind was from leaders outside of Herman Miller that, um, I didn't want to repeat those those things necessarily, yeah. right? And so how do you learn from those to develop not only what you're looking for, but I think you're to your point, your own leadership style too, as you as you grow, if that's the direction that you're headed and you want a leader role, taking those those pieces of um, information and building your own own style. Jennifer, yeah, I think exactly. the other piece of advice that I heard you say, and I think it's something we miss a lot as interviewees is really doing your homework before the interview. Actually, um, one of my former bosses, that was his big question. How did you prepare for this interview? And it, it, it kind of cut a lot of people out as they didn't have the right answers. If you really are hungry for the job, you'll understand the role and the players. And I think you summarized it really well. You, you looked at stakeholders and customers and people who would be affected by the the role you were seeking. And I just think that's great advice that we can learn from and take away. Right. And just, you know, don't wait for, you know, the fact that when you have to sit down and do the interview, sit down with some of those people ahead of the interview, you know, and, and start to understand the role a little bit better. Um, we'll also grow your network while you're doing it. Right. That's great advice. Jennifer, along your career, either here at Herman Miller or in other industries, um, 
you've been in. Have you had a mentor? Yeah, and I would say not only have I had a mentor, but also a sponsor. And, and there is a difference, right? You know, a, a sponsor is somebody, you know, within the leadership team that is really going to help you navigate and set you up, you know, for different positions. Again, you have to own it and do the work. Um, you know, so I have had the opportunity to have both. Um, and I would recommend that when you do have mentors to think about it as sometimes even having two, one that's from like a functional expertise, and it might be, you know, a mentor that's in a different functional area that, you know, is of interest to you or that you're not familiar with, um, that you can gain some insight with, or it could be a, you know, a potential spot that you navigate to. And then a mentor from like a leadership perspective or a career perspective, and maybe think about it in two different ways as well as you get mentors. And that's what's really been helpful for me. I tend to mentor a lot of people, um, you know, more in the, the sort of career advice and, um, you know, sort of leadership avenue. But I think both are very valuable and important because you do want to gain insight and understand some of the different areas within the business. And I am very passionate about, you know, people having mentors and, and also mentoring others and sort of paying it forward as well. And then how have you uh, been able to leverage your sponsor or their impact in your career and how have you engaged them? So we, I was fortunate in one of my previous lives where it was more of a program that I, you know, originally got hooked with a sponsor, but then, um, you know, and so that worked well in terms of, you know, they would, you know, provide me with the, you know, the career landscape that I worked on that I will get to in a bit. And, and how to navigate my career and keeping my options open and what are the skill sets I need to gain. Uh, but as well as, you know, they could see stuff from a leadership perspective in terms of what leaders were looking at from a talent. And so that's why they provided that additional layer of having a sponsor. Um, what I did when I sort of did it on my own is I had reached out and, and I informed my work team leader, you know, this is my plan. You know, I would like to get a sponsor to further my career, make sure they were on a board with it. And I went to the global VP of purchasing at the time, you know, again, previous life and sat down and, and sort of said, you know, hey, I'd like you to interview me to be, you know, possibly like I'm somebody you would sponsor and support and, um, you know, help with my career development. And here's you know, kind of gave them my portfolio and sort of my resume, if you will. Um, and they were very open to say, yeah, you know, and they had actually reached out because um, I've given them my career landscape and here's some different type of jobs I'd like to see myself learn more about and get into. And they had sort of networked on my behalf to some of those other areas, um, such as you know, being a vector lead and a project management, you know, which I did get out of my comfort zone of purchasing and move into. So it was very powerful to have that. Um, again, you have to go out there and do it and, and sell yourself um, and get some of those sponsors. And I think that that's something of an opportunity at Herman Miller we should consider and do. And, and it gets a little bit tricky at companies because, you know, you want to make sure it's a fair process, right? And it's not everybody just grabbing their golf buddy. Um, and the, you know, people are driving it and doing the work, um, certainly, but, um, it is powerful in, in terms of getting that insight into what they're looking for from a talent perspective versus just what a mentor might provide. Again, I, I love the strategy. That's why we named it what we named it because you, 
you go into interviews, you go into getting a sponsor with a strategy, you have a plan, um, or at least some avenues of what you think your career could look like. And I think that's essential for how you've been able to get, you know, two different levels that you've been able to get to. I think you've been here five years. And is this your third job at Herman Miller? Yeah, so I was hired in as a senior manager and then moved to director and then to the VP position. Right. So yeah, it was exciting to be able to, um, you know, move up and expand and, and have those more challenges. Yeah, great skills for all of us to sort of learn from you how to strategize, how to lead with a strategic mindset. Jennifer, you have a family at home. Can you share a little bit about how you balance work with an outside life? You know, really every day, I think every milestone presents, you know, a different challenge. You know, there's certainly different methods to manage that balance. Um, and I think it's being aware of where you're spending your time and is that where you want to spend your time, you know. And so along the way, you know, I started to realize where, you know, things that I can make an investment that would allow me to maybe be more engaged with the kids, you know, whether that's an investment in a cleaning service or an investment in a nanny so that we're not, into these wars, trying to get the kids off to school. Um, and where, you know, does we get that even balance, you know, between the two. And I would say, you know, always making that effort to be engaged in whatever environment you're in, you know, so if you're at home and at dinner, be completely focused on the family and engaged in that conversation. If you're at work, being focused on your people and what you're delivering and, and really trying to look at, you know, where your energy level is spent, um, you know, and it's, the end of the day is that where you want to be and maybe you need to make adjustments along the way and there's tons of tools and tricks out there i think of different people have done throughout time that i've gleaned from and used and and it helps i'll never have the perfect answer um that's why it's a balance and you balance it every day yeah so i hear you know really trying to pick those things that are important and being intentional about the time that you're spending. And um, I think it is so hard sometimes during the, both the day and the night, right? To be in that moment of wherever you are. Um, so really, I think that's great advice of really trying to be intentional about where is my mind right now and where do I want that effort to be super helpful. It was interesting. I heard a story, actually. It was one of our VPs um, had said that he was talking to his son about some of his challenges at work and, and sharing his work life with his kids. And we asked, like, is that something you did growing up? He goes, oh, yeah, all the time at dinner. My dad was like an entrepreneur and he'd bring up and ask us like business cases and ideas on stuff. It was and so he found a way to really like integrate the two, but also sort of developed his kids to have that mindset. And I thought that was really interesting. I, you know, never thought about that before. We have a lot of different people listening to the podcast. So some people are looking for that next interview, that next role. Then there are other people who might be new in their role and they just want to be the best Herman Miller employee they can be. I'm curious, do you have a piece of development advice that really sticks out to you that you would love to offer the group, especially as they're just trying to knock it out of the park for their team? Yeah, probably in two parts um, really to that. I would say, you know, first for the people that are trying to sort of, you know, navigate their career and, and maybe move to a different position or just thinking about where they're heading. 
Um, you know, I created a while back um, what I refer to as my career landscape. And what I developed is, you know, and, and it's how many roles do you want to create, but, you know, it was three roles that at the top really listed as, you know, where did I want to end up? You know, so where was I going to basically my retirement job be and sort of listed those roles at the top. And then you start to move downward in terms of all the positions that lead up to those roles. And soon you sort of have this matrix that you're working off of. And then within each of those roles, and it might not be the next job, it's really the job after that, you start to list out, you know, really as I consider, you know, what are the technical competencies for some of those jobs? You know, what's the skills and experience you need for some of those jobs? Uh, what's some of the accountabilities for some of those jobs? And as you develop that matrix, you actually see similarities between different roles and jobs. Um, that you can start to go, hmm, you know, maybe I bounce over here and that would still lend itself to any of these two top, you know, ending roles. Um, and so, and it might actually, there might be a position that's, you know, over to the right, you know, and I'm going to make up some of this, but let's just say if, you know, maybe one of the ending careers was, you know, VP of sales, um, and it was like a, a sales position, you know, in some of the earlier um, layers and part of the skills you would gain in that position would actually help you as a VP of purchasing, for instance. Um, and so you can navigate then at some of those other um, layers instead of just thinking of it as really like a, you know, a ladder, if you will. Um, and then also, I think too, you have to take it in perspective is sometimes being in some of those roles might actually gain empathy for you know, let's just say if you were in a VP of purchasing for the sales team or vice versa, um, and you might end up with six to 10 columns at the end of the day, you know, but I think as long as you can create some clear destination, like success criteria on where you're trying to head, you know, that really helped me because um, I started to think, okay, I was heading down this purchasing path and I was just going to move my way up the ladder into purchasing. And when I created this landscape, I was like, wow, but I really love new product and I really love being in front of the customer. So I took on as a vector lead where I launched product to the marketplace and I got to see more of the operation side. I get to see more of the marketing side. And that's what's then sort of navigated me into a different direction, um, of which now having my role and having all those different functional areas, you know, actually end up serving me well. I didn't know it at the time, um, but it gave me sort of that perspective. The second part, if you're in a, your current role and you just want to make a difference and, you know, you want to drive forward, you want to be that difference maker, you want to sort of be above and beyond, um, I try to give myself a goal, you know, every, let's just say 90 days to say, you know, take inventory of yourself, know yourself, you know, what are some of the competencies I don't have yet? So what are some of those strategic skills that I still want to gain? Or what are some of the, the personal inner personal skills that I still want to gain. And just pick one that you're going to work on over the next 90 days. Um, you know, for instance, one might be negotiating. You know, I'm going to really kind of take up and read on negotiating and uh, maybe practice some of it, either in my home life or at work. Um, some strategic skills could be, you know, getting my business acumen and really understanding our industry and understanding our competitors and what's happening out there. And all of those are going to end up aiding towards um, what you're driving and the value you have in your current role um, in terms of moving it forward. The other thing I would say is, um, 
you know, don't be afraid to raise your hand for opportunities where you see gaps within your team or with your work team leader. You know, one of the things that I always try to even ask in one-on-ones of my manager is like, how can I help you, right? Um, you know, is there something that I can, you know, kind of help you do or, or take on? And that really is powerful too, right? Because um, they, we all need help. <laughs> and so um, it certainly can be a value. And, and I always try to, too, think about things in perspective of my boss. And I, my goal is always to try to be one step ahead of them, though Richard makes that a challenge. But I always try to, to sort of think like, what their challenges are and try to be ahead of them and, and try to already prepare for things or have stuff ready, you know, before you're being asked. And I think those things stand out and those are really what, you know, separates you and, and, and puts it as, you know, above the job. Just don't do the job, do the things that are, you know, above and beyond. Yeah, Jennifer, I think there are so many good nuggets in, in that in that last little piece. Um, we just want to hit on one that kind of really stuck out to me about being setting those goals, those 90, 90 day goals and really picking one. Shelby and I are part of the coaching champions program going on right now. And I think um, Shelby and I have talked about this a little bit, but just spending those few minutes being intentional about your goals kind of shifts your whole mind frame. It's not something that necessarily takes a whole lot of time to really figure out those goals or what you want to do. A lot of times, I mean, one of the questions that, Shelby and I have been working through is and asking the people that we're coaching is what are those things that you've said I'll get to it later and like really thinking about those and is that a goal that you want to set for yourself and um, it's been fun to see people start to grab those and start to make those action steps and again it it I, I get a lot, man, I should have done this sooner. Um, and so really being able to sit down, what are those nine? And I love the 90 days and pick one. It's something we can all do something for 90 days. And I think the picking one makes it feel less overwhelming than trying to achieve that ultimate, ultimate end goal. Yeah. And it, it might end up being part of your cadence moving forward, like then that just becomes part of your everyday repertoire and, and you carry it on. Um, things that, you know, I learned through the Haley leadership program that I was in was part of that 90 days, but it would be leadership type practices. So the next 90 days, you know, you pick one leadership practice and then you kind of then can trial what feels right for yourself and what doesn't, you know, one of the things was, you know, sending a thank you note to an employee once a week you know, throughout those 90 days. And you might be like, wow, I really like this habit and I'm going to continue this to be a habit moving forward, uh, which is really nice about, you know, then doing that in 90 days um, as well. You just have to keep it at the forefront. Remind yourself <laughs> every morning and get in that habit of doing it. What is one discipline that's a non-negotiable for your development and what makes you so passionate about it? You know, when I previously looked at this, you know, I tend to start with everything's negotiable, just so I keep my mind open for all possibilities and sort of that level of curiosity. But at the end of the day, it's really about our happiness and health, right? And so, you know, I want to really enjoy what I do and find meaning in it. If I don't find meaning in it or satisfaction, then I'm not going to give it my best. And I really strive and, and really where I get my, you know, energy from is trying to show up as my best. 
And so if, you know, there is a position that I just don't think I'm going to find meaning it or I'm not going to be happy, then it's not going to be something that I'll put myself into or pursue or, or stay in long because, I, you know, we have to put some of those things at the forefront, you know, and, it, and, and happiness for me is, is truly important. And, and I think that if I'm going to give it my all, that's where it's going to come from. Do you have any great successes or failures that have inspired a tremendous amount of growth? It's not a fair question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I take on the burden of accountability, I think, a lot more for things that are outside of my control, um, you know, which is in and of itself, I think, personal growth that I've learned to sort of reflect and in my own sanity realize that. Um, there's only so much you can control um, when things happen, especially being in supply chain. Um, but not to discourage anybody, supply chain is also very fun. Um, but with some of the, you know, failures too, when you stop and reflect, I think, you know, failures are very powerful coaching moments. I mean, those are the ones that you develop and grow the most from. And so we really need to kind of take those and and really make sure that, you know, people understand it and, and really can dive into it because they are good learning that you gain from it. I mean, I remember early on in my career, I was a, a buyer and um, thought I was doing the right thing. I, you know, sales was telling me to, to get this color in and we needed it on the end cap at Sears and Home Depot. And, you know, they needed the, the blues, you know, instead of the reds. And so I, that's what I purchased from the supplier that was going to be coming into the plant, not informing, you know, keeping the plant um, up to speed on what sales was asking me to do. I'm just like, oh, I'm taking their directive and I'm running with it. And wow, that plant manager, like, um, I mean, really chewed me out. I mean, it, I, I can still remember the day. I can remember how I felt. I probably could feel my face being red at the time. Um, and that was really powerful. Like you learn from that and it sticks with you. And, and so you always remember something like that, like, okay, who do I need to include? Who's not involved here? You know, and it's something that stays with you. I mean, you know, certainly successes are awesome, you know, but it's really the failure ones that you, you learn from and you grow from. Um, and I remember, and I remember um, probably even how I felt an hour later, <laughs> it was that powerful. <laughs> So as you, as you think through those times, so you're talking about, you know, you remember all the feelings. Um, I know sometimes in those situations for me, it can feel like so overwhelming. Any advice on those next steps? So you've had this kind of failure. What do you do next? I think that's where you really need to reflect, you know, and really sort of like, you know, kind of, you know, let yourself sort of from an energy level, you know, level set and, and cool down, if you will, and then just sort of like take it a step back and go, okay, how would this have been done differently? You know, what am I learning from it? What am I gaining from it? Um, you know, be honest with people and follow up. I mean, it's amazing, you know, that, you know, again, when I was getting chewed out by the plant manager, I, I owned up to it. I said, I am very sorry. I apologize. You know, I thought I was doing the right thing. I will you know, learn from this, you know, and just you be honest with it and people will respond and get all the, I got it, you know, and, and so, and making sure that, you know, maybe there's a gap in a process that needs to be fixed and it's, it's a opportunity to improve something moving forward. And I also try to tell myself too, sometimes that, you know, maybe this prevented something else from happening or something more major from happening. So it's, it's a good thing, you know, we need to, 
to learn from it because there's no training manual on all the different scenarios and situations that can occur in our job. And, and so you have to just realize that we're all human and it happens and <laughs> we're going to move on and, um, you know, take those deep breaths, do your meditation and then re- <laughs> reflect on how you're going to do it better. I, I do think as a culture, we look at failure and we have some shame associated with it. I love how you lifted it out of that and said, failure is an opportunity. I know there's a mm-hmm. whole philosophy about that right now. It's really looking at that as an opportunity so that you do learn and grow because that is one of the most powerful ways to learn and grow. So I appreciate you bringing that that to the forefront. Yeah, and I think that the quickest way to sort of, you know, realize, oh, it was a failure and to be honest about it, level set, the you know, quicker you move on, the quicker we come to a solution and less energy people spend on it. Yeah. So as you think back over your time during the corporate arena, have you had to work through being a woman in this landscape? You know, I mean, it's been fortunate given the um, time we're in. I mean, we certainly made progress. We certainly have, you know, some ways to go. Um, what I'd say what always sticks with me, and I heard it, you know, from a, it was a previous CEO at Campbell's, was you have to be tough-minded but tender-hearted. And so one of the things that we do have as women um, is we do have a powerful skill of connecting with people on a personal level. And um, we need to remain that, and that has worked as an advantage. But I also have learned to be very thick-skinned and tough-minded right? And to have that high level of emotional intelligence, you know, have to remain probably more calm than my male counterparts at times, because um, it's going to come off differently because we're not all the way there yet, right? And so, you know, trying to move, you know, from some negative situations that drain your energy um, and, and to have that emotional intelligence, you know, has always been very important and to, you know, remain that calmness, you know, um, Again, go vent to your best friend or your mentor or whatever afterwards, but if you can remain calm in that situation, um, that goes, you know, far. But I think we have to be tough-minded. I mean, there's things where I think, you know, we'll lay in bed right at night and we'll analyze a conversation, we'll analyze our presentation, we'll criticize ourselves, and I don't think men do that as often. <laughs> um, and so we do have to sort of, you know, um, get a little bit more tough-minded when it comes to that and, and just kind of roll with the punches and, and move on. And, um, and and that comes with time too, right? It's coming through different experiences and, and, and sort of, and gaining that. How have you, I won't ask you if there have been situations where your voice hasn't been heard, because I think most of us have had those situations, you know, daily or weekly or uh, whatever, but how, how do you make sure your voice is heard? I think, you know, one, we all want the confidence, right? We all want the confidence when our voice is heard. And what really has built up my confidence level is preparing ahead of time, you know, really looking at my week, my day in advance, looking at the agenda items, um, trying to understand what the outcome is going to be, what the, you know, conversation is going to be like. I had, uh, again, another um, CEO sort of best practice had said they would in the morning, they would have their cup of coffee, get up, you know, a little bit extra early, have their cup of coffee and visualize what their day was going to be like, like visualize how a meeting was going to go. And that sort of set them up a little bit for, 
how they were going to play their part into the, and this was not when they were CEO, certainly, but as they were sort of moving up in the ranks, um, but how they were sort of going to position themselves. And that just sort of in itself kind of created and increased my confidence level as preparing for certain meetings. I think also if you put it in context of what you're speaking on behalf of, you know, so if I'm speaking on behalf of my team or my people, then um, I'm like, I got to do this. This is my job. I have to speak on behalf of them. And it forces you to do that and be a difference maker and speak up. Um, or if you have to speak on behalf of the customers and for their voice. And so if you think about it in context of, you know, it's not just your personal voice, but you're the voice of all these people behind you. Um, somebody had said to visualize this entourage behind you as you're doing it <laughs> sometimes. Um, so that you don't just think it's, you know, little you up there trying to talk and um, that you have this whole entourage behind you that's pulling for you and pushing you forward. Jennifer, we've talked about a lot of great things today. So many, so many great nuggets for um, everyone to take and um, some actions that we'll do at the end. But do you have any additional advice for those listening um, that want to continue their development? really spending the time and everybody always kind of thinks about that next role they want to go to, but you really have to think about those future roles that you want to go to. Um, it's not just the next job, it's the job after that. And I always try to think about that. And the mentor had told me that as I was creating that landscape. Um, but I would just kind of end with, you know, some things that, you know, again, in addition to sort of the 90 days and focusing on your competency inventory, um, you know, and taking inventory and increasing the inventory of yourself is just really, you know, three things as you're trying to grow your, your career and, and yourself is, um, you know, if you wake up every day and, and, and think about these three things as, you know, one, play to win. Every day is an opportunity and not, and never stop raising the bar for yourself. Yeah, that's um, really good. I just want to know how many hours, how many hours do you work a day, Jennifer? Because it sounds <laughs> like, I'm like, that's a lot. You do not only your job, but the thinking behind the job and the, um. Oh, yeah. It's funny. It's like, um, we joke, my husband and I were like, they've rented our brains. Never <laughs> <laughs> give it back. <laughs> you know, I think part of it, I'm probably my own enemy, right? I mean, we all can be our own enemy in terms of trying to shut it down. Um, I think naturally there's days that are longer than others because of the global responsibility, mm -hmm. right? So I've had days where, you know, starts at 6.30 a.m. and it, you know, ends at 11 at night or something. But you have breaks in between, right? You have your dinner blocked out and, you know, what have you. Um, I would say, like, I can't have, like, every day, Monday through Friday like that because, I do value sleep. Like there is one thing I absolutely will make sure I try to get in is my eight hours because if I don't have eight hours. Like I am so useless. So as much as I'll have the longest days ever, like I will get that sleep. I'm determined. Erica, I'm going on a tangent for a second. Sorry. But I think that's the thing, Jennifer, as I look at women in operations, it's the big detractor, right? It's the thing that keeps them away as they look at, and I'm a terrible example of this because I try to cover all three shifts. But when oh, you look yeah. at women that, that do operations, it, it's hard to, it's hard to make it look sexy because, right? Cause you're like, well, I get up at three 30 to get in the plant by five, sometimes four 30. Cause that's when my meetings start. 
you're there till three. Mm -hmm. That work-life balance is really hard to sell. Um, so when I talk to other women and try to encourage them in operations, it's a really hard sell um, yeah, just for that yeah. reason. And I think there are definitely seasons of like work team leaders, probably, you know, they don't cover three shifts. Ops managers, senior managers probably cover three shifts. So that's kind of been my, I don't know, but it's mm -hmm. my own little, as I try to look at the pipeline and how to get women in, that's hard. It's been hard. It is. It is. I mean, but one thing I always say is like nothing, you know, all blood, sweat and tears, you know, great things come out of that. You yeah. Know? And so I always sure. think like, you know, that they, you know, great things do come. I mean, one thing that I just love about operations is back to that, like finding meaning in your work is if I can impact just a couple people's lives a day or whatever that is, you know, that's enough for me and my legacy. Yeah just to say, wow, I've improved their life because I made the, their experience at work that much better, or, you know, just, you know, by helping them grow their career or whatever it is, um, being in operations has certainly then helped from that aspect because you're touching the lives of so many people in yeah. operations that you can be very impactful. And that's where I found it to be the most enjoyable. And so, yes, there could be a lot of long hours, but you know, I think some of the, the great people in the world do a lot of long hours because they they're do. making an impact. Yeah, the and the people and, and so. on the shop floor are worth it, right? I mean, it's, it's, I love, I yeah. love shop floor people, which is why I'm invested in operations. Yeah. But, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And that just being able to turn, you know, the, the culture into a positive one and that, you know, they have, I mean, you know, then a day your work is like, actually where you live right I mean mm -hmm. so to turn it into a great place that they want to be and yep. and have that great culture I mean you're making that much of their lives better every day and so I think that is pretty powerful and um and it's a huge population that we touch yeah. great Erica come on over to operations yeah <laughs> did we sell you <laughs> there's a couple of ops manager jobs at Mainsight I think still so <laughs> yeah yeah, it seems like a lot of facilitators needed and ops managers. Oh, my but, gosh. Yeah. But, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, um, Yvette is really great. So Yvette Emilander, she works on my team. Um, so she has, like, the product services, the um, product support specialist, the um, once had, like, the customer care. So she's always had, like, the, the supporting ops you know, roles, um, and it has been doing like all install apps and, and what have you. And so she's always had this blend of sort of both worlds. And so there's always those opportunities too, mm -hmm. right. Where you can have, you know, a little bit of ops, but also, um, getting into some of like the more tech savvy type things, yeah. um, that she covers and, um, we'll have to somehow get her on here at some point or, yeah. or into the wind. <laughs> That'd be great. Appreciate the time, Jennifer, and sharing some of these nuggets with us. And I'm sure there'll be yeah. um, lots of things people people take away. I think about you know some of the things that we talked about with the career landscape. I think that's something great people can reach out and um, do their own to figure out where they're headed. And again, I think the the 90 day goals is something really tangible that people yeah. can get started with. Yeah, I think one thing at Herman Miller that I know we're starting to create at Herman Miller is like those destination role success map, you know, so if you mm -hmm. think about a position, what is like the success criteria for that position, I think that will help people in their landscape sort of uh, matrix that they develop. 
but I'll send you ours and you'll see on mine, this position wasn't even on there. So right. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess open. <laughs> Jennifer, I don't know if you had anything along those lines. So for people who maybe don't know where to even start. So we think about setting those kind of, where do we want to retire? If you don't know where to start, mm -hmm. any advice or ways to think about that differently? Yeah, I mean, that's where then you really have to spend a lot of time in the discovery zone, right? So um, reaching out and networking, spending 30 minutes with different leaders across the organization, you know, across the enterprise and learn about their role, you know, learn about what the day in the life of their role is and their challenges and start to um, create that map then based off of the discovery work you did. Um, and not only to talk to the leader, but maybe talk to like the individual contributor in those roles too, to sort of get both views, if you will. Um, but that's where you really have to push yourself to get out there and network and just say, hey, it's a 15, 20 minute. I want to learn about your role and what you guys do and, um, and, and then go from there. So back to the discovery, how it ties into your interview as well. <laughs> Did you ever have anyone say, maybe your own inner voice say, because certainly that has been my inner narrative, say that that goal is audacious. So when you said, I want to be the vice president of this by the time I retire, did anyone say, that's great, Jennifer, but maybe you should aim lower? My own inner monologue says, okay, that's probably way out of your league. Um, so I'm just curious if, if you had anyone naysay. Um, well, I, my own like self said that. So I actually, it was interesting before I created that map and I had no idea, you know, and I was, you know, early on in my career and, um, someone had said like, Hey, for some of our, you know, um, talent, the, um, at the time the VP of purchasing wants to meet with them and, um, and just talk about your career goals and, you know, what have you. So I, um, actually, you know, so my husband, who's my mentor at the time, I said, I don't know what to say. What do I say? And he goes, tell him you want his job someday. I was like, no way. I can't say that. And he's like, yep, go in there and you tell him you want his job. I was like, I had nothing else. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. And he was shocked. He was like, oh, well, okay, well, we have some work to do. So I don't know that he told me like, no, he wasn't like, yeah, I see it. But he was just like, okay, we have some work to do. So, you know, um, you have to just throw it out there in the universe, right? And and if and people need to tell you what exactly you are missing to get there then. You know, what is the gap then? And don't cut yourself short, you know, throw it out there and see what happens. And um, they should be able to work with you on a game plan um, to get there. And if there's something significantly missing, then you need to figure out what it is and, and whether you can have that learning aptitude to, to take it on and grow from there. Yeah, good. So that's a great point. So if you hear no, so if you interviewed for a job and you heard no, what do you feel like the culture is around Herman Miller? Are people willing to have the conversation with you as far as the why? I think we have, I think we need to improve on that. I don't think we're there. I think people, at, I think people have that West Michigan nice and that it's hard having that straight talk and transparency. Um, and then we need to do a better job of it. But I think if you can keep it like, you know, factual and driven and, and just be honest and it helps the person, I think we need to get past that. I do think that we do need to change that culture and get a little bit more because it doesn't do any good to the employee to be like, oh, you were really great. It's just, you know, we went with somebody else. Well, that did nothing for me. Like, what did the other person do that differentiated them, you know, versus me? And 
and we need to have some of those frank conversations or put in context of, you know, here's some of the feedback. And I think we're getting better at it and there's pockets of it we're doing it. I think we just, we have to know that that's the priority, you know, as part of the process. Um, and I think employees should be deliberate about pulling it out of them and say, no, I specifically want to know what differentiated the other person that got the job that I didn't have, you know, maybe just be like more frank about it. Um, like, you know, what was the skill sets you saw in them or what, you know, um, so we'll have to, we'll have to pull it out of people, I think, until we can get there. Um, but we, we do need to get to that. Um, you know, there's some jobs that they might just say, um, you know, if they didn't have, you didn't have the experience, well, what type of experience and what would you suggest me trying to do now to gain that experience? Because that's sort of a, um, weak answer in my mind. If someone just says, well, you didn't have the experience. Well, how do I get the experience? But only experience, you know? And so, right. um, what are the things I can do in my current role? Do you have any suggestions, right? You know, to gain that experience, should I, can I job shadow? You know, I know I didn't get it, but can I at least job shadow with some of right. your people so I could start to learn more? Um, just sort of push the boundaries a little bit more because that is a, that's a key, um, a key form of getting good feedback. I read a book a couple of years ago called Radical Candor by Kim mm. Scott and it, it mm. changed my life. And I don't always recommend books cause there's a billion out that are great and I'm sure everyone loves, yeah. but this one changed my life because it talked about if you really care about someone, um, then you will talk frankly to them about what right. the gap is or they won't get better. And I, when I became a work team leader and a manager, I really recognized that I I didn't want to tell people the truth because it hurt. And the book yeah. just completely changed my philosophy about it. And then I bought, you know, copies and gave it to every lady work team leader that was around me because it's a skill that sometimes we don't have because we want to be nice. Oh, that's good. We're nice no, ladies. So, so yeah, <laughs> right. And it's just, that's great. Yeah. I'm glad you shared it too. No. And, and you think about your kids, right? They'll be like, Oh, why are you harping on me? It's because I love you and I want you to be a good adult, you know? Right. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's, yeah. that's good. That's excellent. Well, yeah, I could talk to you guys for hours, but <laughs> you guys are doing a great job what you're doing. So Thanks. thank you. Thank you for being on it. <laughs> thank you guys for asking me. Thank you, All Jennifer. Right. Well, thank you guys. Bye. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening. Join us next month as we get another window into the life, career, and development path of an amazing individual here at Herman Miller Group. 